We often talk about media discernment at Plugged In, but what does practicing that process actually look like in action? Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, technology, and your family. Thanks for joining us. If you've read Plugged In or listened to our podcast for very long, you've probably heard us use the phrase media discernment. It's our catchphrase for talking about how we make media, entertainment, and technology decisions that line up with and are shaped by the truth of scripture. But we also realize that those concepts can feel a little bit abstract. So today we're going to expand on them in some concrete ways, hopefully to give you some practical ideas on what growing in media discernment might look like in your family. And we'd love you to join that conversation as well. So be sure to let us know what you think of today's podcast by emailing us at team, that's T-E-A-M, at thepluggedinshow.com. Joining me for today's conversation are Paul Acey, Emily Clark, and Jonathan McKee. All right. Well, I want to start with this question today. Can you remember a time when you were growing up when something prompted you to make a change in your entertainment choices? What happened and what adjustments did you make? So when you're talking about prompted to make a change, are you? Are, can your parents prompt you to make a change? <laughs> well, theoretically, they can. <laughs> I, I, only you can answer that question. <laughs> I don't think I was particularly discerning as a child, so I was going to watch anything yeah. my parents would let me. Okay, we'll use parents as a prompt. That's allowable. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was a kid, though, you know, I used to watch, I, I started watching some of the old 1970s, 1980s sitcoms, right? And there was one that I kind of liked called One Day at a Time. They have a new version of it now. But um, I was told that I needed to stop watching that particular show because the characters, my parents told me, were teaching me to talk back to my real parents. Yeah, so it was... That sounds like a prompt to me. Yeah, it was. that was the end of my one day at a time watching because I was just getting a little too big for my, for my britches. Well, of all the shows from the 1970s, that was one of them. Who else today? <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess I'm kind of almost hesitating to answer this because I'm pretty embarrassed because in college I just feel like I was pretty... Stupid. <laughs> so you're I not alone there. Yeah, did weren't so we all? many dumb things that I can never run for president. So, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I was living a particularly selfish existence at the time, and for some reason, I started listening to gangster rap. I'm just being very honest. Uh, I went to a school where that was what everybody listened to. And I, you know, of course, you know, was like, oh, you shouldn't listen to that. You know, it's full of foul languages and that. But I did anyway. And I kind of was in that stage of my life where I was like, this stuff doesn't affect me. Well, it was interesting because my roommate and I got in a couple uh, squabbles and where, you know, I was kind of yelling. And before I knew it, all these words are like flowing out of my mouth. And it actually came to this interesting moment where the girls who lived above us, we met them in an activity and she goes, wait a sec, you're Jonathan? Wait, you're Jonathan? Oh, we live above you. And I was like, <laughs> what? And she goes, hold on. And I didn't know that they were like from the drama club at the college. They start doing an impression of me and my roommate. <gasps> oh, and the one, oh, gosh, and the one who's impersonating me is full on yelling curse words. And I remember just thinking to myself, Jonathan, <laughs> you... <laughs> This, this, I mean, it was just like this awakening. This is not the Jonathan we're looking for. Exactly. This is this is what you sound like 
to other people. And mm. it really did. It, I, I literally was like, I got to, I, I got to stop. There was a lot of things I needed to stop. And that was one of them was, <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was an eye opening experience. It was kind of an embarrassing moment for me. And where I was like, man, I, I gotta, you know, I gotta stop doing this. Wow. Well, I don't think there is ever like a specific moment per se, but definitely as I got older growing up, I would expose, I, I had more freedom and I had more privileges. So I would expose myself to, you know, increasingly more adult um, content until I actually was an adult. And then I actually started dialing it back because at a certain point I realized that what I was uh, listening to what I was watching, what I was reading. It wasn't stuff that I was actually interested in. It was just what everybody mm. told me that I should be interested mm. in. Yeah. You know, like Emily, read the Twilight books. They're so amazing. <clears throat> Sparkly <No>. vampires. <clears throat> yes. <Yeah. Just> <laughs> I'm just saying that was one of those books that I read because everybody told me to read them. And I was like, this is terrible. Why am I reading this? I don't even like this. And so, you know, as an adult, I did start cutting back on a lot of things and really just kind of figuring out this is what I actually like and this is why I like it this is what I don't like and this is why I don't like it hmm. well what I love about this is that there's a process of growing up and owning your convictions and having sort of this dawning sense of hmm maybe that's not the best thing maybe that's not the person that I want to be and today we're going to be talking about helping our children with this and I think sometimes we forget our own stories. And in my case, uh, my story, to answer my own question, I think it was 1987 or 88. And some of you will absolutely remember this. There was a video series called Hell's Bells that was about the danger of rock and roll music and Dungeons and Dragons, of all things. <laughs> some of us who lived through that era, and of course I was you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons while listening to ACDC. So the, the, wow. the peril that my soul was in was significant. Um, but I came home and I threw all of my D and D stuff away and I probably had a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff. And then later on I threw away and my, I can still remember my roommate in college cause this wasn't like immediately thereafter, but I threw away about 200 cassette tapes cause that's the Ooh. era that I grew up in. And my best friend was like, dude um can i can i have those <laughs> and i'm like no they are from the devil and i must destroy them I do not want to endanger your soul <laughs> um and so looking back on that i think some of us have dramatic moments some of us have maybe more subtle ones but we want to help our kids move toward a place of understanding how what we believe as christians impacts the decisions we make with regard to entertainment. And so that is what we're going to talk about today, some practical thoughts on growing in media discernment. So what comes to mind when you hear the phrase media discernment? You know, does it sound like something you want to get better at, or does it sound more like <laughs> eating your Brussels sprouts and getting your teeth cleaned? You know, something that is good for you, but maybe not very much fun. And, and I, I confess there have been times in my life where maybe it's felt more like the latter. Uh, and especially with my parents saying, you know, do you need to watch that? Do you need to listen to that? Sometimes as kids, we have a hard time really taking that in. Um, but I think it's easy to see becoming more discerning in our media choices, 
sort of like eating a big bowl of steamed broccoli. <laughs> and so what I want to do with our conversation today is maybe take some of the Brussels sprouts and the steamed broccoli out of it. That it's not just a proposition where we just say no to everything as parents, but there, there really is a process there. Now, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes my children have rolled their eyes at me when I've tried to do some of the things that we're talking about today. Right now, my two daughters are deeply engrossed in the Hallmark series, When Calls the Heart. And um, I confess my wife and I have gotten a little bit sucked into it too. And this morning I was taking my daughter to swim practice and I was trying to ask her some questions about it. Like, what, what do you like about it? I don't know. <laughs> do you have a favorite character? I don't know. What do you think the main themes are? I don't know. <laughs> do you want me to stop asking you questions? Yes. Um, so, you know, I want to just be real that this is not a process that is linear or that we have to have all figured out, but we're going to talk about modeling that kind of engagement. Um, and there certainly have been moments when we've decided to opt out of seeing something that, well, all my friends have seen it and I'm the only one who hasn't seen it. And, you know, how do we respond in that? So um, mm. these aren't easy questions necessarily, but I believe the benefits of growing uh, our, our media wisdom muscles pay dividends. And in the process, we teach our children how to engage not only with problematic content, but increasingly with the, the range of ideas that come at us every day. So, you know, media discernment is not just we're not going to that movie because it's got bad language, but we want to talk about ideas as well. So this is our challenge as parents today, cultivating an environment in our homes that isn't legalistic or stultifying or full of Brussels sprouts and broccoli because <laughs> uh, nobody wants to just eat that uh, when it comes to growing in media discernment, uh, but one that helps our children understand how and why we need to apply biblical truth to their entertainment choices. So I want to start this conversation by defining terms a bit. When we use the phrase media discernment, what are we talking about? So I'm going to start by pitching in here. Uh, I actually do like Brussels sprouts. You like Brussels sprouts. Okay. <laughs> I can't explain it. My father would probably say that I'm not his child if he heard me say that, but you know, it's all good. <laughs> um, I think that when I hear media discernment, I'm thinking about making a conscientious choice in regards to what I'm consuming as opposed to just mindless consumption. And, you know, it's sitting there and saying, you know, like what you were saying, well, all my friends have seen it. And well, guess what? All my friends saw Twilight. That didn't make it a good movie. It didn't make it something I wanted to see. But sparkly vampires. <laughs> no, It's no. not that it was not a selling point for me. I remember I actually did go see the one of the movies with one of my best friends. And she didn't like the series either. I don't even think she was allowed to read the books because her parents were a little bit stricter. But um when we went to see it, we just kind of booed every time a character would, every time one of the male characters would take off their shirt to show their abdomen, <laughs> like that, we would just boo. And we actually got some pretty ugly looks from some people in the theater for doing that. But we were just like, we were not having it. We were like, this is a terrible movie. This is just so that people can, you know, live their teenage romance in their minds. And it's not healthy. <laughs> okay. Other thoughts on what it looks like to grow in media discernment. I love that story, by the way. Just want to say that. 
You know, when I listened to you talk about how you were kind of talking with your daughter about these issues, it really resonated with me. And I think that that our our relationships with our kids are so very different. And 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 when you think about sort of opening up uh, these conversations with your kids, it can be a little bit intimidating. Yeah. Right. Uh, she didn't want to talk at all. Yeah. And I kept pressing. And finally, she's like, are we going to Dunkin Donuts or not? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, back to you, Paul. I think <laughs> one of the things you can do, if if you are actually a parent and you're a young parent and your kids are very young, it's good to start this stuff early, okay. right? Because I think that, that it's really cool to have these conversations and they can be incredibly enriching. And we're going to talk even more about that a little bit later on. But I do think that it's important to have – the reason why I think it's important to start these conversations, even when your kids are, are older, is because this stuff is just important. I think when you are talking about media discernment, these stories impact really every area of our lives. And if we ignore their influence in our lives, then I think that we're doing a disservice. We're actually doing a disservice to our stories. Okay. I like that. And I want to know more about that. Jonathan? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I feel like it was almost the difference between, I mean, Paul, to use the example of your story, you said, does it count when our parents, you know, make us do something <laughs> versus when we, de- when we decide to do something? And, and that's what I think is the, you know, almost really at the heart of what media discernment is. It's, it's kind of us deciding for ourselves of what's best for ourselves. Um, I, I can't help but think of in, in Galatians chapter five, everybody's arguing over circumcision. And basically it's more of an argument of you got to do these certain things to be saved. And he in Galatians five, six says, Hey, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. And all the religious people at the time were going, I can't believe he just said that that's heresy. You know? And he says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. And the word he used for faith at the time was this word that really meant conviction of truth, Hmm. conviction of truth. They believed it so much that it changed their actions. And that's, I think what we're talking about here is we're talking about not just making our kids do something, but hopefully teaching them truth so that they decide for themselves to discern. Yeah, that's really good. I love that, Jonathan, because I think that gets at the heart of what media discernment is, you know, with regard to learning to align what we choose, what we think, how we live with, you know, what scripture reveals. And I I think one of the issues here is that we live in a culture where we're encouraged to passively consume entertainment and it's almost a right, you know, sometimes I'll come home after a long day and all I want to do is, you know, we have the phrase veg out. I just, I, it's like, I've worked hard. I've earned the right to turn my brain mm. off and to passively consume. And I think our culture almost treats that right to be entertained as an inalienable right. And so my next question is, how do we begin to push back against that cultural value in our families? Just this sort of impulse to don't bother me. It's entertainment time. I think sometimes uh, our our kind of our reaction as parents, well, I'd say that our reaction as parents often is overreaction. We see something <laughs> and we're like, "What is this?" and we t- and then and then it almost makes our kids sneak or whatever. 
and I think we need to be a little more proactive than reactive. Mm. Um, our temptation as parents is to is to try to combat every little message that's coming out. And okay, I heard this, so now let me argue this. I heard this, let me argue this. And I think being proactive would just be more getting our kids in the word. And I, I don't mean that as an oversimplification, but I feel like if we get our kids in the word, um, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hmm. And I think sometimes instead of arguing about these points of, well, this or that and trying to philosophize, I think if we're spending time um, being illuminated by God's word and having that light impact our lives, it's going to shed light on everything we do. So I think we need to, I think we need to spend time with our kids in God's word. And that's going to hopefully help them in this process of discernment instead of just arguing every little thing that comes off the screen. Yeah, you know, and I, I would like to just riff off of that a little bit with with that idea of proaction, um, because I think that that oftentimes entertainment can be, become this point of contention, right? You're fighting about movies, you're fighting about TVs, you're fighting about music all the time, and I think that that um, that can set parents and children up as antagonists. Now. I do think that as parents, we do have to draw certain lines. We have to say what's appropriate and what's not. But I think that if you do it within the context of your relationship with your kids, when you can say yes to things or when you can say, let me watch this with you, let me experience this Mm. with you, and then we can talk about it afterwards. I think that, that if you're able to do that within the context of relationship, it allows sometimes when you do have to put your foot down, it makes it go down a little bit easier. You know, I think that, that it can become, again, as, as a, as a parent, you are still the biggest influence in your child's life. Your, your child wants to listen to what you have to say. And I think that if you create a, an environment where you can really talk with your children instead of just telling your children what to do, I think it can, it can really make these conversations go easier. So I would like to add on to that. I think that I think what both of you guys said is great. I think that if you are, you know, more engaged in what your kid is taking in, you know, are they involved in a Bible study and stuff? Are you having these conversations with them? I found in my own life that when I am when I'm paying more attention to like what I'm doing throughout the day, when I'm. You know, if if I'm engaging myself and like, okay, I'm going to wake up this morning, I'm going to do my devotional, and then I'm going to go to work. And then when I come home, yes, my urge is, like you said earlier, Adam, to veg out. But I find that because I've had these conversations, you know, with the adults in my life and, you know, because I have spent some time that day reading the Bible, I'm much less likely to engage in, well, to put it frankly, trash. Like I'm more likely to... We're glad for that. (laughs) I'm much more likely to watch something that is meaningful. And, you know, I like this show and I know why I like it. And this is why I'm going to watch it. And it's going to, you know, have a positive impact on my life versus, oh, I'm watching this because I'm tired. And I just, you know, I just want to put something on while I do something else. And it's just running in the background. So it's not a big deal. No, if I've actually sat down that day and, you know, read my Bible and thought about what God uh, wants from my life, then I'm more likely to watch something better. It's so true. It's almost like a cause effect. Yeah. And that's why we sometimes as parents, it's kind of almost 
it's it's kind of almost a little bit silly to kind of be working so much on the effect. We're we're we're, we're trying to 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 put band aids on the symptoms instead of seeing it what you know what's the base of what's causing all this. And that's why it's so important. Like I look at my life when I was in college, where I was doing all these stupid things and I was hurting people in my relationships, and I was you know I, those are all symptoms of the fact that I really needed Jesus and and I was following you know, Jonathan was being God of my life. And when I finally realized and hit rock bottom and realized, man, I, I, you know, I tried it my way and it, and it stinks. And I, and I surrendered my life to God. Then he started to slowly fix these areas of my life. These rooms in my house, one room at a time to sit there and just go try to get a remodel. That would make me a Pharisee where I look good on the outside, but I was still Mm -hmm. corrupt on the inside. This needs to start from the inside out. No, I think that's exactly right. And I think really what we're talking about here, um, we started out talking about media discernment. I think in a bigger sense, we're talking about discipleship. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we want to do at Plugged In is we're talking about a process of spiritual formation. And spiritual formation is a buzzword that in the last 10 to 15 years has really kind of uh, become in vogue. But it has to do with asking the question, what is forming us? What is shaping mm. us That's good. Uh, as who we are as individuals and as families? I was just looking uh, at Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And Jonathan, I think <clears throat> this is just exactly what you were talking about, that if we only focus on what seem like the problems, um, we're sort of like trying to stamp the world out without looking at truth. And and it's either, I'm not going to get this right, it's either the J.B. Phillips version or the message says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And so... The process, I think, of spiritual discernment and, and media discernment is it's a spiritual one in that we recognize there are ideas coming at us that are shaping our soul, and we want the Word of God to be able to shape us as parents, probably first, so that we can recognize those things and help our children through this process. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things as I, as I listen to, to you and Jonathan talk a little bit is—, is just to just to give you a look behind the curtain a little bit in some ways i think it's difficult for us in a way as plugged in reviewers because i think that that we spend so much time thinking very seriously about these things we think yes. very deeply about what we see what we listen to what we play <laughs> and and i think that sometimes our our desire to be molded by something once we get off the clock and we watch something for fun right we can let our guards slip a little bit. You know, yeah. I find myself sort of slipping into that state where I want to just veg out and watch something dumb, watch yeah. something meaningless, that type of thing. And I think that that it's something that, that as you out there are trying to grapple with these things, know that we're right. doing that too. I mean, it's it's this is something that is a day-by-day process. Yeah, that's right. And I think that um, it's not that we're trying to say – the very act of entertainment itself is bad. Right. We're not saying that, but I think that what we are talking about with media discernment is 
we're stepping into a place of intentionality, which is, I think, what you mentioned right at the outset, Emily, that instead of just sort of passively going with the flow and letting our habits and letting our culture just sort of sweep us along without ever thinking about it, we're saying, no, I actually want to think about how does my faith relate to these issues? And again, it starts with us as parents. So even though we're talking about parents helping our kids, uh, if we're not doing it ourselves, there yeah. certainly probably isn't much hope for right. helping no, our right. kids do all. it because they're going to do what we do. And, you know, that's something that I noticed, um, you know, when I was a kid, I don't think my parents used as much media discernment um, or if they did, it was only when they were referring to us like, you know, no, Emily, you're not allowed to watch that show for A, B and C reasons. But as they got older, like, especially with my, I've just noticed over the past few years, especially with the birth of my nephew, the first grandchild in the family, they definitely pay attention to what they watch now. They, they will, they'll go to Plugged In and they'll look at the Woo-hoo! content section. Pluggedin.com. And they'll be like, and <laughs> but they can kind of determine, they can be like, okay, this is something that I'm comfortable watching with my kids or my grandson in the room versus, you know what? If I wouldn't watch it with my daughter in the room, I'm not going to watch it on my own. It's just not worth it to me. Well, I think it's interesting, like you said, Emily, sometimes parents do just, you know, like, well, you can't watch that. And I think the mistake that, in addition, that I hear parents make sometimes, well, why? And they say the stupidest thing in the world, because I said so. Um, because sadly the, the amazing opportunity that a parent has at that moment is to be able to get to the why, Mm -hmm. um, rules are not going to raise our kids. The, the don't watch the Disney channel or whatever it is, you know, is, is not what's important. What's important is the why behind it. Matter of fact, you could almost hope your kid says why. So you could say, (laughs) That's an awesome question. Let's go get some frozen yogurt and let's talk about it. Yep. I love that. And, and the next question I want to ask is, um, what are some ways that we can begin to connect the dots between our spiritual convictions and our media choices? And specifically, what are some questions that we can ask? Because I think questions are a way into this with our kids that will help them to begin to grow and to own that media discernment themselves. Hmm. I think one of the big questions that I would want asked of me is if you do go and see a movie and you come out of it and you're in, in your head as a parent, you're thinking, why did I just let my child see that? One of the questions <laughs> you can, one of the questions you can ask your child is, did you like that movie? Why didn't you like it? If or they, why did you? Or why did you yeah. like it? Exactly. And I think those are, I think that's an important question because they could say, oh, well, you know, the jokes were funny. And, you know, if you're thinking of like a particularly crude joke that you saw in the movie that you were like, oh, gosh, please, please don't like that. You know, you can ask them, <laughs> well, what about this? You know, this made me feel uncomfortable because whatever. And your child might actually think about it and be like, yeah, you know what? You're right. That joke just did not land. And it gets them thinking. Yeah, If you can give them specific, you know, moments in a movie, it gets them thinking about, hmm, do I actually like this? Or was I just laughing because everybody else was laughing? I think sometimes it's fun to ask 
general questions because no kid wants to be asked a specific question. Did this movie make you think about, you know, <laughs> about bad things, you know, but I think sometimes it's fun to say, Hey, what do you think most young people, you know, when they watch this mm. would think, or, or even just so it doesn't sound condescending. What do you think most people would get out of this movie? You know, do you think a lot of people would maybe, you know, start acting like this character? What do you think? You know, and ask them, and because I think that's kind of a stepping stone to where, yeah, no, I think a lot of people would think this. And then then I think you go, wow. Uh, so what do you think? You know, and, and, and almost take that, st- <laughs> that, that that little tiptoe towards the, hey, does this influence your thinking? Because if maybe they could get the awareness without you even saying you shouldn't think like this, you're just asking, hey, what do you think? Hey, did you think that? Hmm. Something to think about. You know, all of a sudden, maybe they connect those dots themselves. Yeah. You know, and I also think that, that we have to take a little tip from from Bruce Lee, you know, where you're talking about. I can't wait to what you're going to say yeah, right? Instead of being a rock, you need to be a river. You need to actually For real? Flow. You really quoted Bruce Lee here? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, say more about that. <laughs> no, it, because you really have to. Hop into the stream and and go where the conversation takes you and look for your opportunities. I think that that as soon as you start asking, as as Jonathan I think was alluding to when you when you ask like these heavy duty parental questions, all of a sudden it it, it almost creates this barrier between you and your child. And I think that that sometimes if you're able to sit alongside and you're able to talk. Um, honestly and, and meanfully about you know the pros and cons of a movie, not not just the messages that it has, but just was it a good movie? What did you like about it? Just just like we, you were saying, Emily, I think that it's it's one of those things where where if you can sit and and talk a little bit like a friend, then as the conversation flows like a river, you find opportunities to give some other thoughts, give some other feelings, you know, your, your opinions, why you think, ah, maybe that message is a little bit off. This is not what we would believe as a family or whatnot. I think that, mm-hmm. that especially as your kids get older, I think that, that to approach those conversations gently um, and flow with how, what, what your kids want to talk about is a great avenue to, to actually talk with them. I agree with that. I also think that once a conversation gets going, it's easier to ask those personal questions. Mm -hmm. Like one of the questions that I like to ask my kids and depending on their mood and whether they want to talk or not, (laughs) you know, like this morning, my daughter was not, we're going to swimming, dad. We're not talking about when calls the heart (laughs) at all. Okay. Got it. Um, But there are other times that they're, that they're really ready to talk and you take advantage of that. And I think you can ask, what character did you identify with? You know, who, where did you see yourself in this story? Yeah. You know, and just beginning to, to talk about how stories invite us to identify with characters. And that gives us an entree to talk about the that's ideas. Um, you know, even just what were the main messages? And that's kind of like what Jonathan was saying. What do you think most people would take away from this movie? The other one I love to ask. And initially when I first started asking it, they w- I would just get blank stares. But I think it's a great question. How did we see things that are similar to what we believe as Christians? And how did we see things that aren't, you know, like what we believe as Christians? And one day my son and I were talking about Pokemon, one of the Pokemon animated shows. And he's like, and Ash was willing to sacrifice for his friends, just like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I love that because 
while we may be able to have some other spiritual concerns about Pokemon, <laughs> Henry was connecting the dots. You know, he was saying, here's what we believe. Here's what I'm seeing. And maybe he was just trying to convince me that it was okay too, but it was a pretty <laughs> earnest observation. Um, and that simple compare and contrast question, it's a great critical thinking kind of question. So this is a topic that I think that we could go on maybe multiple episodes, but I hope that our conversation today has given you some concrete anchor points that when we say media discernment, here's what we're thinking about. And it's not something mystical. It's not something abstract. It's not something that, uh, you know, only really spiritual people can do, but all of us can enter into these stories. All of us can enter into conversations. And as we do that habitually, our hope is that we begin to train and shape our kids so that when they're on their own, they're able to ask and think about those questions for themselves. doesn't mean it's always mm -hmm. going to be perfect. doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, always make the right decision. But the goal here is not perfection. The goal here is to help our children internalize that process for themselves so that by the time they leave our house, uh, you know, whether they're 18 or 19 or 35, um, that they, they own that for themselves. Um, and so that's what we mean when we talk about uh, media discernment and in everything we do at Plugged In and through the Plugged In show, we're hoping to equip you uh, to do that better in your home. So what about your family? What are some of the ways that you've sought to help your children or maybe your parents have sought to help you to grow in wisdom in your entertainment choices. We would love to hear your stories and you can email us at team at the plugged in show.com. Well, as we wrap things up here today, I would love to point you toward a resource that will really, I think, prompt you to, to do this even more in your family. And it's a book called burning bush 2.0 written by our very own Paul AC. Apparently, apparently yeah. we don't give Paul That's enough work awesome. to do. And so in his own free time, he goes and writes more books about media discernment. And it's an excellent book. I think it will really help you to grow in your understanding of how to connect what's happening in popular culture with your own family and the things that you're engaging with there. So check that out. You'll find a link to that in the episode notes and be sure to leave us a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening today. And as always, we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show.